What is up team? Welcome back to the show. Today we have another Q&A. Now, before we get into the questions, if you've been struggling to lose body fat and or build lean muscle, I want to gently remind you that doing the same shit over and over and expecting different results never works out. So if you've been in a place where you've constantly been struggling to see the changes that you want in your body fat levels with what you're doing with your nutrition, or seeing your body composition and strength change in the gym with the combination of your training and nutrition, quit doing the same thing over and over and expecting to be in a different place a year from now versus where you are currently. So if you're stuck in this place, if this resonates with you, click the link in the show notes to apply for coaching with our team. We'll hop on a free call and talk through exactly what we think is the best strategy for you to finally get out of your own way and follow our protocols to finally achieve your goal physique. All right, and that's enough shameless plugging for now. Let's go ahead and get into the questions. All right, so the first question we have is, alternative for Bulgarian split squats, poor ankle mobility. All right, so ankle mobility, poor ankle mobility in a squat or a lunge pattern is typically going to be characterized by having trouble keeping your heels flat on the floor. So typically like how this will manifest itself is let's say you're doing a squat while achieving full knee flexion, I should say. So basically like when we're trying to train the quad, which is typically again where poor ankle mobility manifests itself, we wanna try to get our hamstrings as close to our calves as possible. When our hamstrings touch our calves, typically we're at least pretty close to full knee flexion or bend at the knee. Now your quad is acting on the knee um, flexing and extending it, primarily extending it, and then working some like to resist the descent as we go into flexion. We don't need to get too deep into that. But basically your quad is gonna be acting on your knee joint. So if we're in this place where like as we're just trying to squat deep, in this case like with a Bulgarian split squat, but this again often manifests itself in like any squat pattern, and our heels are leaving the floor, the movement is going to be a lot less stable and this can sometimes manifest in things like knee pain and again really just struggling to actually train your quads in the manner you want to so a couple solutions here first i would say like the movement isn't necessarily the problem um i would start by actually elevating your heels right and this is why you'll often see like so for example with a lot of the quad bias movements we do when our clients are trying to grow their quads, we will elevate the heel. Basically, that's going to make up for the lack of poor ankle mobility. So this could be as simple as putting a, well, the most ideal option would be actually like if your gym has squat wedges available, it's a little wedge shaped thing. So basically your heel will be higher than your toe. This will really help make up for a lot of that poor ankle mobility. Now, if you can't do that, you can literally either push your heel on a 10 pound plate, or you can put like a five to 10 pound dumbbell sideways if your gym has hex dumbbells so it won't roll out from underneath you, you can put that sideways and elevate your heel on that. And really rather than like, because the reality is like a Bulgarian split squat, unless we have the front foot elevated, the range of motion relative to like the amount of knee flexion we can get will typically be a little bit less than what it would be if we could do get in like a back squat, right? Typically your back knee hits the floor. Now we can fix that by also like going through elevating our front foot a bit. Um, 
But here, what I would say is like on your squat patterns, I would just elevate your heels, right? And that will make up for that lack of mobility. And you should be able to get full knee flexion there and train that movement much more effectively. Next question we have best warm up and activation for upper and lower body before workouts. All right. So here, this is something I've changed my tune on quite a bit. Honestly, what I prescribe to most clients anymore. Hey, let's hop on an incline treadmill walk for five to 10 minutes at a brisk pace to really elevate your heart rate. And then the best way to prepare your body to do a specific movement pattern is going to be training that same movement just with lighter weights, right? So let's say you're going into a set of hack squats and your working weight is going to be two plates on each side. So let's just say we don't know how much the sled weighs, but let's say that's 225. Okay. So I would probably hop into the sled and do just the weight of the sled for 10 to 12 reps. I would add about 25 pounds to each side, do eight to 10 more reps. I would add, pull the 20 pounds off, add plates, do six to eight more reps. I would bump up to like 185. So plates and 25s on each side, do four to six reps. And then I would likely go ahead and jump into my working weight, maybe do one to two reps with that weight. This will basically get your nervous system used to moving that amount of weight. So when you go with your actual work sets, you're going to be as explosive as possible. I would probably only take 30 to 60 seconds at most. Really, you should be good with just like 30 seconds between each of those sets. And then I would get into my first work set. The thing to understand there is like specificity here. It's easy to get caught up in doing a lot of non-specific exercises, but the thing that's going to have the best carryover to the movements you're doing is just doing the same movements, but with a lighter weight. Right. And this holds true for upper and lower body alike. Um, and again, this is something I've changed my tune on quite a bit over the last few years because I used to have a lot more of our clients do like these longer primer circuits, whereas now that's less common. Um, because again, like this is just going to have the most specific carryover to the movements you're doing. And honestly, that applies for both upper body and lower body. So I would say like, I would use this. So basically, if we look at like how we're programming a lower body day, okay, we're probably going to have a more challenging hinge variation and a more challenging squat variation to start. So for both of those movements, I would do at least two to four warm up sets. The first movement, I'd be more likely to do like three to four warm up sets to really bring blood flow to the tissue, really get my joints prepared for the movement. Then let's say like from there, I was going into a Romanian deadlift. I would probably do two to three workup sets to work up to my, my working weight. And then all my other movements after that, I would very likely just do one warm up set of about six to eight reps, taking that to about four to five RIR. So still leaving plenty of reps in the tank and then get right into my working sets. I think that it's a little bit easy to overthink this when really we don't need to do like all this random shit. It just do a couple warm up sets with a lighter weight than what you'll be working with and go from there. And really it's as simple as that. All right, next question we have is starting to feel like a bit of a fat ass in my build. <laughs> no need to actually say that on the podcast. Oh, sorry about that. Um, can you share your feelings and how you mentally get through it yourself to normalize the struggle? All right, so the reality is this is going to be somewhat cliche, but all growth occurs in discomfort or all growth at least re requires some discomfort. In order to happen right and this is very true for most people in the building phase so the reality is as a beginner you can typically recomp 
where, or if you're someone who hasn't had all the factors dialed in. So like a lot of people will start coaching with us and maybe they've been training hard, but they haven't been following the optimal program. So once we build your individualized program and maybe you haven't been optimizing your nutrient timing, typically we can see a very good amount of recomp with most clients that we work with right out of the gate. And this is true for, for people from pure beginners to oftentimes even more advanced coaches who have been training for years. Because almost always without the help of coaching, people have just left a lot on the table as far as recovery, nutrient timing, and again, getting the most out of your programming, right? Very, very few people in the industry go as in-depth as we do with adjusting things like your nutrient timing, really teaching you how to fuel yourself, um, making sure that within your programming, you're doing the exact amount of volume you need and your execution is what it needs to be to get the best possible results out of as little time as possible, right? So once we get those factors dialed in, most people can achieve what we all want, which is losing body fat and building muscle tissue at the same time for a limited amount of time. But the reality is eventually we get to this point where, okay, we need to choose either A, I want to focus on building muscle tissue, or I want to focus on mostly maintaining my muscle tissue and getting leaner, right? But, and I know that the woman asking this question is very much coming from that place where she's already been doing things right for a very long time. So thus, um, she's the, now committing to the building process, right? So what I'll say here is, just like I said at the start of this podcast, it's so important to remember you can't just keep doing the same shit you've been doing for years and suddenly expect a different result. So if you're a woman wanting to add more lean muscle to your frame, you've already passed the time where it's realistic for you to recomp and you still want to see a significant amount of growth, that's not going to come without some discomfort, right? And in this case specifically, Typically, what that means is, hey, you are going to feel a little bit fluffier. You are going to have a little bit more body fat. So very much we have to look at, okay, am I choosing the path that is going to be the most immediately gratifying at the sacrifice of what I want long term or vice versa, right? Because very much here, you have to just look at the long game and how we look at this with clients. Like when we're setting up a client's protocol, we don't care about what can we do to get you the best results in 30 days, to be honest, what we care about is what can we do to get you the best results six to 12 months down the road, right? And here I would look at for you, what do I need to do to actually see my physique improve to be closer to the physique I want 12 months from now, right? And it's probably not going to be like, oh my gosh, I feel a little bit fluffy. I need to go back to dieting. It's probably going to be, hey, I need to embrace the fact that I might feel a little bit fluffier during this building phase, but this is also going to allow me to add a lot more lean muscle tissue. So thus, when I get leaner, my physique will look a lot different. It's also so important to remember here that muscle growth happens very slowly, right? If you're absolutely crushing it, you're adding one to two pounds of muscle per month. And really like for most people, even that two pounds per month is a little bit out of reach, but somewhere within that range. So what you need to realize is like if over the next eight months, let's say you gain Let's say you gain 12 pounds. Let's say eight of that is muscle. Or let's, let's even take this a little bit further. Let's say you gain 50% fat, 50% muscle. So let's get, say you gain 16 pounds. Eight pounds of that is muscle tissue. Eight pounds of that is body fat. And that's over the course of eight months. Now, by that point, you will definitely feel a little bit fluffier. But the thing to remember is while muscle gain happens very, very slowly, fat loss happens very, very quickly. So very realistically, like we can lose one to two pounds of body fat 
per week. Most people can lose up to 1% of their body weight per week. Um, pretty manageably 0.5 to 1% is pretty realistic, right? So in this case, at most, you could easily lose that extra eight pounds of fat that you gained in just eight weeks and have an additional eight pounds of muscle on your frame. And all of a sudden your physique looks a lot different, right? And it's not that painful. That's the thing. It's like only an eight week cut. Like that's not too terribly long at all to have a much different physique, right? So the most important thing to remember there is it's so easy, especially like, so a lot of people who coach with us have either gone through the process of, or have typically gone through the process of losing a lot of body fat. Again, we work with a lot of women who have initially started losing about 20 to 30 pounds. Then they want to focus on adding more lean muscle and increasing muscle definition, right? So then we go through a building phase and it can be a scary thing because typically that first cut does take a good bit longer, right? So it can kind of be like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to go back to where I started and I'm having to start this whole process over. Whereas it's very important to remember that it's never going to be like that again, right? We're doing this in a very controlled manner. You are never more than really like a few weeks, a few months, I should say, from being as lean as you want to be, right? We're not going to take you to the point where you have like 30, 40 pounds of body fat to lose. And it's just going to be this absolute grind of a diet. Like, so that's important to understand is that body fat will come very, very quickly or will come off very, very quickly. It'll, it'll increase slowly. So one, I would definitely keep that piece of it in mind because once you understand that, it's like, okay, I might feel a little bit fluffy right now, but really with just like one to two months of cutting my physique, I'll drop most of this body fat and my physique will be much improved because of it. Right. But we can't let just like a simple few months of cutting be the thing that stops us from ever adding muscle tissue because we're afraid to get fluffy, which is the mistake most people make, right? Even like a lot of people that start coaching have been in this place where they've been trying to recomp for a very long time, but that window of opportunity has kind of passed, right? We need to commit to a building phase, but again, you can't expect to keep doing the same thing and suddenly get a different result. So from a mindset perspective, that's very important. And then finally, I would really just focus on different things. I would focus on how are your pumps in the gym? How are you seeing your strength go up? Are you seeing yourself stronger than you've ever been before? How's your recovery? How is your social life? How's your relationship with your husband? And you guys can go on all these date nights now and you have more room for like more flexible food and you can go out and enjoy like, now <laughs> we still want to keep it mostly 80 to 90% whole foods because it is a little bit easier in a building phase to get a little bit too flexible. But within that, like there will still be more room to just eat more good food and enjoy it more and do all these fun things that like we can't always do in a fat loss phase or at least to the extent that we want we have a lot more flexibility to do that in the building phase so i would say take that time to enjoy that enjoy the increased food flexibility enjoy how good you feel in the gym how strong you feel knowing that you're setting yourself up for where you want to be a year from now and that body fat will come off quickly and easily after you've gone through relatively easily, I should say, the reality is like diets aren't always easy, but relatively easily because you have spent such a long time eating more food and focusing on building more lean muscle. Um, and it, yeah, it won't be that brutal of a process when you decide you want to get lean again, right? And you're never that far away from being just as lean as you were, if not leaner, ideally leaner than when you started the building phase. So that's really how I would approach it. And that is all the questions that we have for today. As always, thank you all for tuning in.